Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Steve, and we have Jody back. Welcome back, Jody. The show is being recorded live and will be available a few hours after we finish as a podcast. And we invite anyone listening to us as a podcast to join us live and chime in on the discussions and debates. We also invite everyone to send questions, comments, and any feedback to our email address, ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, y'all. Hey, y'all. I like hey, it. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back, back, Jody. Thank you. I'm not in Georgia anymore, but I can talk like I am. Please do. <laughs> Please do. I love the accent, as you know. <laughs> so to me, the three biggest stories in the news right now, in no particular order, are the expansion of the Capitol Police to several other states, the story about going door to door to get people vaccinated. Um, I think they're going to be translating the pamphlets they give out from German into English, but I haven't had that um, confirmed yet. And then Cuomo de declaring some type of emergency for gun violence. So these seem to be the stories getting the most play in the media and at least to me for several reasons among the most important. So we can start wherever anybody wants to start and comment whatever they want to comment. All right. Jody, why don't you start? Um, no, you start. You're, I don't, I usually, when I want to start, it's because I have like this brewing beef to yell at you guys about. <laughs> well, why don't me. we start with the whole Cuomo. you guys about. Okay. Let's, let's start with Cuomo saying that he wants to, uh, create an environment in New York where, uh, whether by legislation or executive order, where they can sue gun manufacturers hmm. uh, on the basis of there being a, an epidemic based on gun violence in the hmm. state. And the interesting thing to me on that story is that there's already a federal law that prohibits exactly what he's trying to do. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how the courts deal with that. In contrast to say, uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida recently signed legislation allowing private citizens in Florida to sue big tech companies. And that, that's that, that law, that Florida law was immediately enjoined by a federal judge. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see if Cuomo's efforts are similarly enjoined immediately by a federal judge if, if he tries to go forward with them. My guess is that they that it won't and that we've got a, a justice system that's, it's a one-way justice system. We, our side doesn't get justice. The other side, right. the other side gets justice. The constitution protects the other side, but it's a sword against us. Um, um, excuse me for one minute. I think we should have fought much harder to get Kavanaugh, Gorsuch and uh, Amy Comey Barrett on that court. We should never let them lose. Oh, wait, they are on the court. I'm sorry. I take, I take it back. So that's a whole different subject. Like well, what's going on there? Not a whole different subject is we put all this stock in the courts going to save us five years down the road if they deign to even decide a case. Because remember, they don't have to do anything. They could sit on a yacht all day and there's nothing anybody can do about it. But then unless there's bad weather, Steve, what's that? <laughs> Unless there's bad weather, then they can't get on a yacht. They get indoors on the yacht. I'm living in life today. And um, what do you call it? We fought so hard putting so much, you know, hope into that. 
And as always, it only works once in a while, which just shows you shouldn't put hope in the court. So, you know, well, what's interesting to me about the gun story also, Ed, is he actually made the statement that he's going to handle this the best in the nation, just like we were best in the nation with COVID. Now, when people stopped yeah. laughing and crying about the 10,000 unnecessary deaths, first of all, it's definitely up there with the Chutzpah Award for the year. And again, the press isn't going to bother him. for No, it. he'll get away with it. The, so many things in what he said. It's really unbelievable. You yeah, know, I mean, he's still, you know, he's I mean, got it. Go ahead, Ed. I was just going to say, I mean, part of the left's modus operandi today is what, what I'd call primacy of consciousness orientation, that meaning if they, if, if you, if the person feels it, then it must be true. Mm -hmm. And facts don't exist independent of anyone's consciousness. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're a man and you think you're a woman, then you're a woman. You know, if you, if you think you're gay, then you're gay. If you think you're straight, I mean, th there's, there's no, there's no objective facts to anything. If he thinks that he's a COVID warrior, then he's a COVID warrior. And the fact that there are facts contradicting him uh, just means that you're a bigot if you bring them up. Uh, that's that's the left's modus operandi on, on everything. So it doesn't surprise me that, that he would use that for this situation. But again, is anybody in the non-right wing, I don't want to use the E word yet because that's another subject, but is anyone in the non-right wing media calling him out for this. Everybody on the right is yelling and screaming about it. And my other big concern is, I obviously haven't read his quote unquote order or his di dictate, whatever you want to call it. But when he's declaring an emergency, my first thought is, okay, what power can he not take by calling this an emergency? And you right. know, we're, we're close to some of the people in New Hampshire. We've had some of them on before. They finished their big budget battle. I think I mentioned it briefly last week. The budget went down to like the last second of conference committees because the budget that the strong Freedom Caucus people wanted in New Hampshire limited the state of emergency, I think, to like 21 days and the legislature would have to meet to renew it. And the other side wanted the state of emergency to be longer and the legislature would have to meet to end it. They quote unquote compromised. My understanding of the compromise is the governor can make a state of emergency for 90 days and then they can vote. They have to vote to renew it. So they gave carte blanche to a governor for 90 days after seeing that he was able to shut down his entire state in any way he wanted to for 90 days. That's in the state totally controlled by Republicans. So when I hear a Democrat governor using that word emergency, what can he not do? Right. Once he, so I don't know. You know, the federal constitution, I think it's article four, section four, guarantees that every state will have a Republican form of government. And these rule by decree governors are directly violating that. Um, somebody needs to do something about that. I don't know if you can have a legislative fix or, or a lawsuit. And I, I mentioned a lawsuit fully aware of our prior conversation that the courts are not look, not going to protect our rights very well. Uh, but somebody needs to, we have to start somewhere. We need to start making the argument and start objecting to it. Um, it it's ridiculous. You know, we followed what happened in New Hampshire um, on this show and, and we followed it, followed it privately. It's outrageous that Republican controlled legislators 
legislatures in New Hampshire could not rein in a Republican governor in New Hampshire. They so didn't want to. It's the Senate that, that made that happen. The Republican Senate crushed the Republican House. So they sided with Sununu against the people in the House and literally forced it down their throats. And what they got in return, which again gives me a laugh, you're going to love this one if you're old, they got a letter from Sununu promising to work with them in the next session or something. Right. Now, I'm trying to send that letter to Con Ed to pay my electric bill tomorrow, and I'm probably going to try to use it to make a phone call. But I seem to remember there was a president in the last century, I think his initials were RR. And if I remember correctly, he did a big immigration amnesty on a promise that they wouldn't ask again. Is my memory relatively correct on that? It's relatively correct. On a promise. He was, so he, promised, he, he was promised uh, spending cuts too when he cut taxes. On a promise. So, we're still so they have a them. letter with a promise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but it's the Republicans who forced the Republicans to cave. And as always, you know, Ed, you've said it many times, we don't have an opposition party. More and more people write about it. But I don't know what you do about it because when you primary these people, they come down in full force and crush you. All we can do is all we can do. We can just do our best. You know, um, fearless leader Elliot shared a two minute YouTube from this young lady. I don't I'm not familiar with her, but she was basically saying I've been right all along. And if you don't act on your own and you don't just start ignoring all these rules, the salvation's not coming from outside. It's only going to come from you. And I think we may not know how to do that, but I think we're all stuck almost having to agree with that. We can't wait for the governor to relent. We can't wait for the legislature to wake up and we can't wait for the courts. And I think that's the lesson that we're seeing with the pushback at the school board level that yeah. we're seeing across the country. Parents are speaking up and, and taking matters into their own hands, whether it's speaking up at the school board or writing letters to their, uh, you know, to their private school administrators or pulling their kids out. Um, you're right. It, we're going to have to do this on our own. We're not going to be rescued. And I don't think the founders, I don't think our framers intended us to be rescued. Everybody is responsible to, to provide a free society for, for ourselves and our kids. It's not going to be handed to us. We, you know, liberty is not about a welfare program. Didn't um, our fearless ex-vice president make some comment a week ago or try to, a noble effort about the tree of liberty being the Watered with blood. I think he was trying to say that. Yeah, it was that thing he was saying. You know that thing. You know that, the thing. Yeah. The thing. <laughs> you, no, that's what, that, that thing with the tree of the liberty and shedding blood. The thing. Right. The thing. You know, we don't talk about it much because, again, it's kind of fruitless. But more and more overseas papers and media comment on the fact that he doesn't have it. And again, we're. We can't call out the emperor's not having clothes, but other people over the world are more and more going to do it. So does it really matter? I mean, if it's not Joe Biden, it's going to be Kamala Harris. If it's not Kamala Harris, it's going to be Nancy. I'm just saying, I even if even if people start to wake up to the reality, reality that Joe is not with it and not a good leader. I'm not so sure that is any sort of panacea for a solution for where we go, because people will still have will still have a corrupt media 
willing to pander, all of a sudden they'll just take Cuomo and polish him up a little bit and oh, forget about everything we said before and they'll dance him around and everybody will say, oh, yay, Cuomo. I'm just saying, I'm waking well, up. I've said, we, as, I've said we, for six, as I've said for six months now during the Biden administration, the one really huge positive of him becoming incapacitated or having to leave office would be that the, 20th, the 25th Amendment would prohibit the Kamala Harris from appointing a new vice president without consent of the Senate. And without her as a tie-breaking vote, the Republicans could block anyone from filling that position. The Republicans could take control of the Senate. Now, they, whether they, they wouldn't, would- They wouldn't have the guts to do that, Ed. Mitt, Mitt oh. Romney is gonna sit there and say, oh, we don't need a vice president. Come on. They would never do it. You know what? It's all about their own power. They could they could get control I mean, of committees if they don't. If, could, could you imagine the outcry? I mean, the, the left wing media would be in hysterics. That's another attack on our democracy, blah, blah, blah. Come on. I mean, it sounds nice. I mean, in reality, in theory, it could work, but it's just not it's not going to work. You know, the it's November 3rd crowd that's still fighting about the election and they're basically saying to Mitch McConnell, if you overturned one of the elections in Georgia, which is probably tons of evidence for, you would get your committees, you would be majority leader. And he doesn't even care to say boo, to look into it at all. The Republicans are perfectly happy being in the minority. It's just, it, they've pretty much always been that way. Most people would want to be a majority and would fight, but not Republicans. Well, I can only try and fight the best that I can. I mean, if the Republicans don't want to fight, then we got to criticize them too. And I spend a lot of time on the No, show that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, they are the ones who don't fight. The Democrats forget about it. It's the Republicans that never fight. So, yeah, but even if that happened, um, Ed, as you explained, and we ended up with, even if we ended up with the Republican president again for a bit, I, I, I don't see that still as the solution because I think the solution lies in the minds of the American voters and the barriers between us and the American voters' minds is blocked blockade after blockade between our media and our education system they own it they own we talk about this a lot and i know just you know go around and go back and forth yeah i mean look i mean i was reading a pretty interesting blog post from the 10th amendment center on uh fourth of july and it was just a simple great point that the most important part of the declaration is toward the end when they talk about independent states we fought, we fought for the revolution and it established 13 independent states. Yeah. We are so far gone from that concept. Yeah. There's no Republican president that's gonna fix that. We, we could have a total majority in Congress and the presidency and it's not gonna fix that. They're not gonna start tearing down the departments and sending power back to the states. It's just not gonna happen. It's not. I agree. So what's the solution? Just give up and ride the no, wave? No, I, 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 I think states. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's the, that's the solution at this point. Some, some version of, of secession. If the Republicans well, if, won't fight within the system, well, are they going to fight to break off? From so, the so what has been one of their really interesting uh, tactics on the left is don't call it what it is, but do it. So we call it something different. Don't call it secession. Call it something different, something more pleasing, but get it done. 
You know? So, you know, I haven't talked about okay. it much, but I think you guys are aware that at Workfest, we did manage to get TNN, Daniel Miller, together with Marcus Ruiz Evans from Cal Exit and with Carla Garrick from NH Exit. Um, Texas Nationalist Movement finally got it up on their website like two days ago and admitted it's a historic event to have the two largest, I call peaceful separation movements, they call secession movements in the country appearing together. And I don't know that Texas will do it. I still think it's about a 5% chance, but at least there's some people seriously looking into it. So, and I think they're the most serious. And there's more and more people out there saying that as unlikely as it is, it is the only solution because we're not changing the country. And until we get state representatives and governors to stop looking at they want to move up to Washington, nothing will ever change. Well, to me, the only way a secession movement, however you want to identify it, the only way it becomes viable is focusing at the very local level, you know, focusing on your school boards, focusing on local law enforcement, focusing on prosecuting attorneys, because whatever you do, I mean, the, the left is going to either send in the military if Biden is president, or they're going to file lawsuits and try and get court orders from federal district court judges to stop whatever it is we're going to do. And we need to have local leaders that basically give a middle finger and say, we don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think I think that, um, you know, this situation with the borders at the border where you've got Republican states that are trying to help Texas protect itself from the invasion that's coming in. Uh, and you have, you know, I, I think I circulated with you guys a, a letter from a, a leftist group condemning the efforts of these Republican states as insurrection and, and secession. Uh, <coughs> Greg Abbott and these other Republican governors need to be able to say, piss off. We're not, we, we don't care what you say, you know, and if you want to, if Biden, if you want to start a civil war, that's on you, mm-hmm. but we're going to stem the flow of, of, of an invasion into Texas come hell or high water. Now, at least some governors are helping Texas. So because again, Biden has gone so far in letting people invade Texas. Again, he's the biggest help, just like he's the best for the gun lobby. He's the best for the Texas nationalist movement. I mean, how would we feel if we lived in a state that's literally invaded? It's, It's a disaster down there. Well, you know, it's an interesting political phenomenon, you know, both here in America, you know, the the Republicans seem to do a lot better when the Democrats are the ones in control. And, you know, I, I know, Steve, you, you follow Israeli politics. And and I've always thought that Netanyahu was much better as an opposition leader than he was as prime minister. And it's the same phenomenon. It's it's hard to really reconcile why, why you know, why these people are, are very good at being critics, but they're not able to execute policy once they're given power after the criticisms are, are validated by the electorate. Well, I think some of it has to do with cocktail parties and media attention, and they don't have to fight as hard. I mean, even now with the Israeli government in power for a couple of weeks, and Netanyahu is really getting his mojo back. <laughs> they're having I, all he's no longer in charge once he's in the opposition. It is absolutely amazing. And of course, everybody has totally switched sides of every argument, which exactly like here, Israeli politics, and it, it's almost hysterical watching everybody on the opposite side and watching people get up to the podium screaming, wait a minute, that's the opposite of what you said yesterday, which is very much like here. The mm-hmm. Republicans were the one defunding the police. Um, the Can you believe the other, it? What was the other thing they're saying the Republicans were doing? 
there were two things they say the Republicans. Uh, oh, come on. Oh, it was um, uh, voting. Uh, right, voter ID. Voter ID. Right, we vote, the yeah. Democrats have yeah. always been for voter ID. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It has always been. Twenty, whatever it is. Well, that's like what I was saying before about primacy of consciousness. I mean, you know, if you if you think if you're a man and you think you're a woman, well, I guess you are. You know, if you're a Democrat and you think you've always been for voter ID, I guess you are. I mean, that, that's you know, really Ed, what it is. Ed, my argument for that has always been: when I drive through Boston and I show up on that field and I say I'm Tom Brady, they never let me play, and I don't get it. <laughs> you're not a leftist. <laughs> I'm That's not true. A either, but you know the, the the identifying thing. I forget which one of you sent out the meme about trans trans vaccination or something. <laughs> yeah, not, not me, but it was funny. Identifying <laughs> is because it's ridiculous. We have stories that Korean person, no, the one in Britain who's identifying as a Korean or something. She's white, but identifying as Korean and saying, "If you can identify as this, I can identify as that." So again, it, it's silly but it's awful serious. We're kind of like to segue into the COVID story. So the big COVID story is Biden and um, circle back Psaki saying that we're going to go door to door to vaccinate Americans. And that's got people up in arms. Are they saying we know who's not vaccinated? And is there a registry? I have no idea if there is or isn't. They're scared to death of the door to door thing. But the reason I call it a segue is there is one Florida lawmaker calling to arrest the people who go door to door. And that's where the state's rights thing and what Ed's been calling for a long time. You want us? Come and get us. Sorry to quote you, Ed. Well, that's okay. Well, as far as finding out how do they know whose door to go to, she's going to circle back with that, just so we know. (laughs) She'll circle back with that answer. I think so Americans. Do we ever get the answers? Did she just say that to shut you up in the moment? I haven't been paying close attention. You have to ever get the answers. Right, right, right. That's. I'm kind of glad that Americans have sort of a visceral reaction to saying we're going to go to your door. Um, maybe that's like tiny ray of hope that there's still some Americanism left in the American hearts. But I mean, there's a great negative reaction to it but it doesn't mean they won't do it. And we've been so turned into sheep by all of this COVID stuff. I mean, Ed, going back to Israel, Israel is starting to uh, get into this Delta and that is a Delta oh, no. or something. Yeah, and they're, I think they're stopping Uh-oh. tourists, not in organized groups. We're supposed to be allowed back in July 1. Now it's August 1. They're starting Steve. to yell about more vaccines. Steve, we lost you for about a minute. Oh, sorry. Am I back? Yeah, yeah you might want yeah. to start over. That's because I tried to pay my bill with that promise from Sununu. Just re- rewind about 25 seconds. I can't rewind. I don't know where I left off. <laughs> I, I know I was saying about Israel's going backwards on COVID, saying- That's where we lost you. Okay, we were going to let tourists in, not part of groups, on July 1st, and they moved it to August 1st. They're starting to yell more about masks, starting to yell more about vaccinations again. You know, like many people have saying, will COVID ever end and will anybody ever let it end? Right. Why would you? If I could control people forever, why would I ever give up on that? Well, so they don't have to. Aren't we kind of learning that with just what Cuomo is starting now? It's a new endemic with guns and now they're going to have to take all those and protect us. It's going to be just a different 
it's going to be a different endemic, but or and excuse me, well, they said that they're going to use climate change as an emergency excuse. Yes. Oh yeah, they're going to have to take your cars because climate change is is an epidemic. Racism is an epidemic. Yeah. Jody, you don't have a Tesla, do you? I do not. Do you know California said last week, please don't charge your cars because we're going to run out of electricity. Yeah. <laughs> Great, isn't it? Well, look, this is this is exactly what we knew was going to happen with the uh, emergency lockdowns under COVID. <laughs> they were going to make everything an emergency and control us. Yeah, it, oh. Mike, it's, it's one of those things you, you, you know, 10 years ago, if you just said I wouldn't have believed it. A year ago when you said that, I totally believe it, but it's still unbelievable until you witness it. Even though intellectually I knew, oh yeah, of course, that's exactly what they want to do, but you still kind of, until you watch it happening, you're God, that's just unbelievable that it's happening, but it is. Yeah. You know, for yeah. the Atlas Shrugged fans, which I think we're all um, devout fans of, sometimes I listen to the news reports and I'm like, okay, what page was that? Because it's literally, you know, people moving from place to place, businesses falling apart, things just totally not working anymore, running out of energy, getting the science guy up there to, you know, tell us what we have to do. And again, almost like a manual that they're following. Incredibly scary. Yep. Now, I will tell you that looks wise, I have been confused for John Galt in many places. So I'm just, <laughs> just putting that out there. Do you identify as John Galt? Oh, there you go. <laughs> I would. So, and the other story that, that I mentioned on is this uh, Capitol Police. Ed, you're the lawyer. This Capitol Police leaving the Capitol, I'm not even sure how Capitol Police came about. Of course, I'm not even sure, you know, I have a, um, a mechanic across the street from where I work. We're good buddies. And he has some deals with various police forces, apparently. He used to be a cop. I don't think anybody knows how many police forces there are in this country. There's the Postal Service Police, there's Environmental Agency Police, there are Park Service Police. There are so many police. Sometimes I'm looking at these trucks and I'm like, another police force? So we think, you know, we tend to think as county police, city police, but there's so many of these other police forces. So now the Capitol Police, anybody know how old they are and how they came to be and any of that stuff? Well, I don't know how old they are, but they, I believe they came into existence to protect members of Congress. But only on the Capitol, right? Only at work. Um, I don't know if that's written into the legislation. I, I can't say one way or the other. Because as far but, as we know, they've never flown with, when they need protection, they get like Secret Service protection, don't they? Well, I don't know if they get Secret Service protection. I think that in general, they get local law enforcement protection or FBI protection when they're in their own districts. And I, I think that's really, it's a little ham, you know, it's a little ham handed by the, by the, by Pelosi right now. But what's going on is an attempt to try and federalize local police and to, to eliminate local police and to national have a national police force they're not going to be able to accomplish it i don't think in the in 2021 but that's really what i think this is all about i think they that the left is very good at laying the groundwork and doing little things that today don't don't add up to what they need 
but they play the long game and our side needs to not only play the long game ourselves, but we need to recognize it. I think that's what's going on. I think it's all about delegitimizing local law enforcement, saying that the local law enforcement is not up to the job of protecting members of Congress when they're in the home districts and creating the predicate for a federal police force. That's what I think this is. I totally agree with you. Um, So you're the constitutional expert here, I believe from the four of us, the constitution set up how many actual executive branch things? Like is the justice department in the constitution at all in any sense? Um, I think it's a legitimate department of the executive branch to have a justice department that prosecutes federal crimes. Okay, so even the FBI was like something that wasn't foreseen by the Constitution, right? A federal police force at all. I don't think they foresaw any federal police force. I agree with that. Right. And then we're, so the federal police force, my understanding is under justice, which is under executive. Now, is there anything in the Constitution either way about the legislature setting up a police force? Good question. Well, I I would say no. I don't think there's anything in Article 1, Section 8 that directly authorizes that. They would probably fall back on the necessary and proper clause. Um, You know, there's no federal police power in the Constitution. In a limited function, I think having having a limited federal uh, law enforcement presence on federal property is probably at least an implied power under the constitution. If they're allowed to own property, I think they're allowed to protect property. And I don't think they need to call the army in to protect their property. So in that sense, I think a Capitol police force for the Capitol is, is probably an implied power. I mean, I'd probably want to research it more and, and brief it, but just off the cuff, that's my, that's my take on it. Um, but to have them going out to districts in California and Florida, that doesn't sound like that's part of the constitutional mandate. And what laws would they possibly be able to enforce? I mean, could they arrest you for jaywalking? Or they like, how would you define it and limit it? Only, it depends on who you voted for, Steve. <laughs> and if I got a vaccine. I mean, okay. if you shoot someone, it depends on who you voted for, whether or not you'll get par- prosecuted. This is speaking from Chicago, okay. What do you say? Is that how their world works? Well, the, the first thing I want to see is have them try to send the uh, police force down to Florida and DeSantis and uh-huh. kick them the hell Yeah, out. there you go. How do we stop it? Right. I mean, that should that should be the move of every governor. We know the blue state, the you know, blue governors aren't going to do it, but every Republican governor should be saying, get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. You're not welcome. You're gone. Did DeSantis well, have a response to that? Has anybody heard? What has he said? Has he said anything yet? I don't think I've heard him say anything in response to that. Yeah, but they they keep teeing stuff like this up for him, and he seems uh, you know not shy about taking the swing at, at the hanging curveball. Yeah, I don't so, know why they would even think of Florida as a uh, friendly place to send federal. Power. Maybe there's a reason. I mean, maybe it's a calculated move. The reason is, is there, clear. I mean, it's yeah. The I reason is sinister. For a friendly venue, I think they're looking to send a message. Well, yeah. California, though, 
I mean, California has its enclaves, though. They're, they're, they're not going to be sending those those federal law enforcement people into, you know, immigrant communities. OK, so you're saying they're not going to be sending these cops to Miami-Dade. They're going to be sending them to Gainesville in the panhandle. Probably. And I, I think, again, I haven't seen DeSantis reacting. I could assume he's going to say, thank you, no. I just, and again, you know, you've said it many times before. At some point, do we have to send troops to the border to stop this kind of thing? But, you know, it's, it's the, the, the mission creep. And the yeah. Democrats never stop creeping. We beat one back, there's five more coming. And that's what just keeps happening to us. So well, yep. they're creeps by nature, so. But they never stop, so. Uh, the question is, is there Gestapo in, in, uh, in the works also? Because you're not allowed to say that. Now, MTG again made some uh, Nazi comparison the other day. I forget to what. No, I, I think I read that, right? Yeah. It's scary stuff. She always gets in trouble for it, but I keep saying the Nazis did not start off killing everybody. It took years to get to that point. And there's always the canary in the coal mine. So whenever we say the canary is chirping or dying, whatever it is that they do, and we say, oh, you're not allowed to make that comparison. Well, once we can make that comparison, it's going to be too late. Well, there was that comparison with Hitler and his supposed beginning arm, you know, armed guards who ultimately become 250,000 soldiers. Mm -hmm. But it right. starts with, oh, I just need to protect myself. And it moves on to, and here's my large military to protect me from you. Mm -hmm. Well, we so, already have part of that predicate with these capital, you know, with the legislature calling in the National Guard and, and making D.C. into a militarized zone right now. I mean, the National yeah. Guard has gone home, but it's my understanding that you still can't go in inside and visit the Capitol and, you know, that there's still barbed wire all over the all over the Capitol. So. And, so th and this is kind of the beginnings of that where, you know, a year or two now of that people will have forgotten how it used to be. You know, eventually people forget. And so that creep, that little creep is allowed to, you know, get feet. You know, last and week, Jody, when you weren't with us, I made a lot of allusions with an A. Um, to Animal Farm. And oh. like, that wasn't there yesterday, was it? And you're right. It, yeah. That's exactly what they're doing. There's a couple other stories I definitely want to get to, and then I'll get to all of everybody's stories. This being debanked. So apparently Capital One sent a letter to the head of Proud Boys. Now, by the way, does anybody know a Proud Boy? No. Well, I mean, not personally, but I, I've seen a lot of discussions with the main guy. Oh, what is his name? Yeah, the Hispanic Latino guy, yeah. Right, but but I mean, it's not like <laughs> there's gazillions of them because I've never met one, but they sent him a letter saying they canceled his credit card because um, they he did something bad in his past. And he's like, you mean everybody who commits misdemeanors is going to lose credit cards? This is unbelievable. No, 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 no. We go back again because in California, it's a misdemeanor to, st to steal $950 worth of stuff from stores, but they're not going to prosecute. Right, they're that. not going to prosecute. Everybody knows it depends target, on where you money. stand politically. That's all that matters. I mean, being debanked and being decredit cardized, whatever the word is, this is insanely scary. Very scary. And they're going to keep doing it. That's one at a time. Maybe says, oh, they'll never do it. But you pick off one here, one there, one here. Yeah. And the message mm -hmm. is simple. You guys want to have a credit card with a major bank, behave mm -hmm. yourself. 
All right. So let me ask you this. I was reading one of the tweets from, I guess, is it a bank? It was not a bank I knew about. Anywho, the wording they, okay, don't think I'm stupid, but the wording in there did not sound nefarious. It sounded basically they wanted to double check that this, I think it's a Bitcoin market, right? Before we have you, you know, before we want to double check that it's okay. What was the wording? I can't remember, but so I mean, it didn't sound that bad. I get you, you don't have any right to tell me whether or not I make a good investment or not, or whether or not I spend something uh, that is ultimately turns out to me not good. But they they do it. They did. It was very. Um, it sounded very non-threatening, which is how they roll, right? Well, not letting you bank is different than debanking you. Well, I just think that, not letting you purchase something was kind of what their premise was. We're not. I just think the interesting thing is that it's just yet another example of how the justice system is a one way street. Yeah. You know, the, the guy, um, the guy in Colorado who, who doesn't want to bake a cake for a certain segment of, of, of the population is not allowed to refuse to bake a cake. But these banks are able to refuse service to, to people that they don't want for the most flimsy and arbitrary of reasons. Um, you know, the, the, I forget the guys, the, the, the cake guy's name, but you know, he, he had a sincerely held first amendment belief and that wasn't enough, but yet these, this bank insists that it's, that it's not based on any belief. It's not based on any animus or discrimination and they, you know, they're allowed to do it. Yeah. I mean, are people, to your um, knowledge, suing on these kind of things when they're debanked? I'm not aware of any such lawsuits and I'm not sure that they would get anywhere because I don't know that the, the public accommodation laws apply to banking. They they probably should. I mean, at least in, in the current context, they should, but I don't know that they do. You, you'd even argue more because you, you're the one that argues that these banks are barely private at all. So you think they should be even easier to sue because they're so tight with the government, regulated by the government, not like bakeries. I, I absolutely think that the banks are not private at all and they are organs of the government, even though they have their own boards of directors. Yes. So that should be even a better reason. Um, how many of us, I was, I didn't use the E word before because I was saving it. Everybody knows what the E word is. I think I do. What? We were all proud to be one. Yeah, extremist. Extremist. Um, I'm sure everybody has seen this. Some of us have already made that into our, what do they call, avatars or whatever they call those things on Facebook. When you make that. Right, the frame. The frame Frame, thing. There must be a Greek word for it. (laughs) What is there to say? Again, there's a great backlash to it. I know some people are, somebody, I won't say who, really went raving mad that any of us still use Facebook, which is an issue we brought up before. Um, obviously, I still use it somewhat, but uh, how far they're going. And then, Ed, I know this is very early, but what do, you, what do you know about Trump's lawsuit from today, if anything? I know that he filed a lawsuit. He's trying to get class action status. Uh, he's trying to sue all these big tech companies, both on behalf of himself and on behalf of all the people that have been unfairly silenced or censored, but uh, I haven't seen the the actual lawsuit. I'm not sure that he's gonna win. I'm not sure that he even has a claim, 
the, the tech companies are going to claim Section 230. And the way the courts have interpreted 230, I think that it's going to get dismissed pretty early on. But I guess we have to really see what the allegations are and see how it gets argued. Now, is this state or federal what he's doing? Um, I, like I said, I haven't seen the lawsuit, so I don't know. Do we have any idea if he has any real hotshot lawyers there? Good question. I don't know that we, answer we, either. We don't know. Like, is Dershowitz backing this and, you know, the big, the big names. So, I mean, I'm glad somebody's doing something. I can't imagine how far it would go, but I guess they'd be happy if they could even get to a discovery step. Kind of like what Project Veritas tries, tries to do is force them into discovery and that puts a lot of pressure. Right, well, they're gonna to have to survive a motion to dismiss on that. And I'm not sure they're gonna survive a motion to dismiss. Right. We'll see. And a motion to dismiss, you could bring to a higher level court, right? Well, a motion to dismiss is, is a, it's filed before you even file it, before the defendant even files an answer. Right, so if the judge says, we accept that, I dismiss it, can you take that to a higher court? Yeah, I mean, in, yes, because it's a, it's a final adjudication. Right. So, yeah. Now, I know y'all wanted to talk about this, uh, the poll about Trump doing better among certain segments of the population than before. So, Ed, you want to take that one? Yeah, I think uh, Pew came out with some research. It had been rumored before because it wasn't entirely new to me, but um, they came out with some research showing that Trump got, I think, 41% of the Hispanic vote, which is higher than McCain, higher than Romney, higher than George W. Bush, uh, higher, I think, even than Reagan, or at least as high as Reagan. Um, and it was a very supposedly surprising poll result um, that he did so well with Hispanics and that, in fact, he had lost ground with white suburbanites. Now, we've all talked about the stolen election, so I'm not sure how reliable any of these statistics are, but uh, I, I do think that there's at least a kernel of truth on that. And I think it's an interesting truth because we've got a, we, we, we were talking about the border situation a few minutes ago. And, you know, the Democrats think that they're going to import Central America up to the United States and that they're going to, you know, get all these voters who are going to vote Democrat based on Central America being a socialist hellhole. But at least, and the Republicans seem like they agree with that. Uh, these polls, this poll from this research from Pew suggests that it might not be that way. And that, uh, you know, that Hispanics, you know, for instance, don't, you know, they're not very big on, on open immigration. They're not big on the Black Lives Matter movement. They're not big on uh, a lot of things that the left is pushing right now. And uh, I know that a lot of Texas border towns went very big for, for Trump for the first time. I think it was the first time that they'd ever gone for a Republican. So um, I think that's interesting. And I think, but, and I think the other side of that is also equally interesting that, um, you know, that white, le that white leftists in the suburbs deserted Trump and, and went for the Democrats. And I think the Democrats, it's an interesting thing that I think we're starting to see that you have this, these white liberals who really don't understand their minority constituents. 
Um, I know that 92% of the black vote still went for, for Biden, but I, I think that there's beginning to be a little bit of an uprising, even in the black community, but especially in this poll from the Hispanic community that these white liberals don't really understand the people that they say that they represent. And Jody, you've been talking about this for a long time on our show. Maybe it's starting to simmer up and maybe at least on the Hispanic side, we're, we're, we're starting to see the beginnings of, of, a, of an exodus from the Democrat party. Right, so my, my guess would be though, those are the Hispanics that are here for a while. But yeah, the ones coming ones in. When they come in, who will definitely vote Democrat for the first decade. That's, that's my guess. That's been my thought too, but I thought it was an interesting poll. That's why I shared it with you guys. The ones coming in are going to be, you know, grateful to, it was the Democrats who let them in, right? So they're probably going to pay homage to that party for a while. But maybe the ones here will help them see, you know, look where you came from. Don't bring it here. Why, you know, okay, you're here, fine. But don't vote for what you just is tried to escape from. And know, that, that one thing I'll say, I, I think the Democrats are being are, are literally being indiscriminate about people from Central America that they want to bring here. They're not trying to target the welfare recipients. They're not trying to target the the socialists in the in, in, in the universities. They're indiscriminately bringing anyone who wants to come here. And I'm not sure. I mean, literally not sure whether all these people got the message that they're not supposed to come here to start businesses and they're not supposed to come here and try and pursue the American dream. Now, they may not have a good conception of what the American dream is, but some of them probably do. And, you know, I'm not sure that the Democrats have factored that in. Um, we'll see if the Republicans are able to capitalize it. I mean, they seem to be the party of being able, failing to capitalize on anything that can go their way. So I don't know how that's going to go. Well, you know, a couple of Republican voices that are at least saying, if this country sucks so bad, excuse my French, why are they coming? And the Democrats can never answer that one. You know, let's throw open the borders to the millions who want to be in this absolute horrifying country. Yeah, don't they know they're uh, coming to a country full of white supremacy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, they get away with both sides of that coin. They sure do. We are 1619. We're the most racist country in history. Yep. We, can't, we can't sing the oh. Spangled Banner, but we can sing the Black National Anthem, whatever that exactly that is. I don't, I don't think we can even support the American dream. I mean, isn't that racist? The American dream itself is racist, right? Because it's a positive action. Ouch. Well, it could be. <laughs> Self-betterment. <laughs> oh, no, you can't say that either. No, you, you can't. You're right. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a good thing in the long run. I don't know, but it's an interesting poll though. And I mean, there is hope in there in my mind. I, I do see positive in it. And maybe it's largely the, 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 the ones at the borders who are feeling, you know, the pinch and the inner city Latinos aren't, aren't in the same mode. Well, I think, I mean, I can remember back when Republicans were made the argument that Hispanics were a naturally, a natural constituency of the Republican party because 
Hispanics tend to be more conservative on cultural issues like abortion, like gay rights. Or black like people. I mean, they, huh? they were, black people are more conservative on social issues too, if you really, actually even economics. Well, but that's the flip side that whether the Hispanic community is, is uh, they seem to be pretty liberal on, on economic issues. And, you know, it's in the past, I think they've gone, they, they've let the economics dominate, but maybe that's changing. I don't know. We'll see. My niece, April, well, are, by the way, I'm sorry. My niece, April has arrived. She's ready to chime in. Anyone? Hi, guys. Welcome, April. Hello. <laughs> Chime away. We need good to, good to always have an, has a lot to say on politics. Have an audience. He's a small business owner. I don't have a lot to say on politics, but sometimes I have something to say. Okay. Well, when we engage, <laughs> plenty yeah. to say. But well, well, Chris, are you from Marjorie Taylor Greene's district? Me? Yeah. No. No, she's not your rep. Not that I'm aware of. No. And well, I, I don't know. Would she be? No. I, I don't, see, I don't I follow don't it that closely. Say. Honestly, I. When it became nothing but BS, I just kind of stopped following it. We have so much stuff happening in Georgia all the time that it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, Emmett's trying to take my top off. Um, Guys, this is a family-friendly show. Yeah, um, sorry, the dog's it was the dog pulling on my bathing suit you know. string. I'm just, whatever, just mentioning that. You know, I, I made a tagline for Liberty Block a long time ago, that if you don't work against the government, you'll be working for them. And the point is, there's a lot of Americans who think, I just can't be involved. It's too much time. It's too much effort. But every day you don't put in the time and the effort, they're stealing more from you. They're upping your taxes in many different ways. You know, my son just uh, registered his car. Ed, you've probably gone through this. He just registered two cars in North Carolina. He said between the two cars was over a thousand bucks. I know. I couldn't oh believe it the first time. And I that's, that's a quote, you know, to sound like the social worker. That's a regressive tax. $500 is a fortune for somebody who's not doing well, especially nowadays. To rich people like us, big deal. But to some people, that's, that's a weak salary. It's a lot of money. So the point is, if you don't fight the government, which I would prefer not to as well, they're just going to keep robbing you blind. No, this goes up, that goes up, the fees go up, the taxes go up, they bother you more, they take away more rights. So you don't really have the choice. Well, you know, April fight. represents the people I've been speaking about for a very long time. And they're the people why I created my website back in 2010, whatever it was, uh, boatfacts.org, which was to help because people are busy. She's running six stores. She's got two kids. You know, she's a busy, busy, busy person. So I get it totally. And so all every, they're they're collecting bits and pieces up here, little fragments of information sifted off the top when you can, right? That's how a lot of Americans. So if work. I can ask, that's what the kind reality. Of and what it used to be that way. Reality, but it used to be that way where if you wanted to know what's going on, you could kind of read the headlines and you'd have a clue. But now, the headlines, half of them are BS or they're completely one-sided. And if you do try to get into the article, you have to sift through a whole bunch of stuff that's irrelevant or they use big words to confuse each other or to confuse other people. And you never actually get down to or high power emotion words. Right. You that, so you never actually get to back to what that little headline was about. And it's this whole different thing. So it's April, a, how, it's a how regulated is truly educated. April, how, reg how regulated is your business? Mine? I mean, Department of Agriculture, that's kind of important. <laughs> Health department. You know, okay. but we kind of okay. get to do our own thing. We're just mostly hurt with 
lack of employees at this point. Okay. But how many excuses would the government have to shut you down if they wanted to? A gazillion probably. Yeah. Well, no, honestly, not when COVID came. Sure. They could have come in and, you know, because we're food service, um, generally not too many, I would say probably, as long as we're doing what we have to do for food safety. Uh, Who froze? Is that me or them? No, it's Jody. I think it's the ladies. It's them because she was talking, I don't know, maybe talking against the government. In New York, they have literally 100,000 reasons to shut you down. So they tell you how many light bulbs in your exit signs. And literally six months later, they tell you two lights in your exit sign isn't enough. And we're going to shut you down if you don't get three lights in your exit sign. And it never stops. They never run out of excuses to threaten to put you out of your business. That's why regulations are far worse than taxes. At least taxes, you know what you're dealing with. Regulations, um, there's so many on the books. I'm sure there's many that, you know, she doesn't even realize that they can come down on her with. You know, I'm saving this story. You take one step out of bounds and they'll be on you. There's a story from uh, the beginning of June that I never got around to mentioning. But it's kind of along these lines. It's from June 2nd. Sununu Ways Legalizing Backyard Hair Salons. Cutting someone's (laughs) hair without a professional license is a crime in New Hampshire, but that could change under a bill sent by Chris Sununu, sent to Chris Sununu for consideration. The way the law is, and I've heard this before in New Hampshire, if you cut someone's hair for free, you are committing a crime. And this is the live free or die state, folks. So when I talk about being regulated to death. And going back, I'm sorry, Mike. New Jersey is is pretty bad with that stuff too. And it was one area that uh, when I was at Americans for Prosperity, we were trying to fight. And some of it is obvious stuff with licensing regimes. But I think that they were even looking to regulate things like, like breastfeeding. I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. There was something, there was some bill. I don't know if they were proposing it at the time. Uh, if my memory serves me well, I think they were. I mean, this is the kind of nonsense that goes on that most people don't notice on a daily basis. You know, they're not paying that much attention to their legislature. You know, but <laughs> that, that's the kind of craziness that you get. I mean, how many people realize that even if you, you know, if you rent a storefront or you own a storefront, your toilet is regulated by the federal government? It's just that simple. And in many places, your light bulbs, actually probably every place your light bulbs. Um, I know where we are, you're, the door handles are regulated by codes. If you have children in your building, I'm not making that up, right? You know that. They tell you what kind of door handles are legal or they can shut you down. So no, private surprises. home or in a business? I'm sorry? In a private home or in a business? A business with their children. There are regulations as to what kind of door handle. I, and I cannot make this up. So when I say they have a million reasons that they could shut anybody down and going back to what Jody started off with a long time ago, regulations of the medical profession, and then what Ed said about, you know, forcing lawyers to do things pro bono. I've gone very far to the anarchist side in getting rid of probably all professional licenses. I'm not sure why anybody needs permission to make a living. You can have 
some other supervision group telling you who's good and who's bad and insurance companies would be an obvious way of doing it, but there'd be many other ways. So if there were no professional licensing for doctors, tomorrow there would be five different companies springing up to rate doctors. And they would find a way to make money on it, capitalism style, and it would work at least, at least as well. But this okay. idea of needing permission to cut hair, needing permission to cut lawns, needing yeah. permission to do anything. I mean, I know in, in many states, there's like higher, you need more education to cut hair than you do to be an EMT. And that's in a whole bunch of states. Agree 100%. Which is why whenever I'm in an ambulance, I ask for a haircut. That's <laughs> and I, I'm not the one to make haircut jokes. Wait a minute. You can do both. Why don't we offer that? Oh, yeah. Well, they're more, they're much more, uh, their barbers are more educated. But of course, I guess that goes back to that red, white, and blue swirly thing. Because the barbers used to be a dentist, right? What do they call <laughs> that? What do they call that swirly thing? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know the name for it. Good question. There is a name for it. But. Well, I don't know. I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I'm not so sure. How do you go? It has it have to be a smoother transition to go from licensed position to no licensing. I need some sort of avenue to ensure that. You're going to have private groups that are going to um, certify you. Just like boards. Cody, why don't you finish your but, sentence? Assure what? Well, that's. You know, they're doctors. I don't know that they've gone through medical training. They're actual doctors. Like, are we saying they don't go through medical training? Do we lose you again? No. No, we're here. Oh, okay. If See, you're wow, you're this is where I say something and then there's silence. Because nobody knows how to compete. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying they shouldn't have to go to medical school, but they're getting a diploma from a medical school. And then they're going to get certification that they did X year, you know, X amount of years of residency, et cetera. Okay, so, so that's you, not removed in your world. It's no, just it's not. the, the Who life certifies them. Do you need permission from the government? Or if you've done your five years of residency, you hang up a shingle. Now, should I use you or not? Well, I'm going to call my insurance company and they're going to say, if you use Jody's family for a physician, we're going to charge you this rate. If you use somebody who's got 10 more years experience, we're going to charge you a little bit less because they're yeah, going to do a okay. better job. So the All private right. market, I get it. To jump in and fix it. And you'll have more than one body. You know, I don't know how many of you people keep kosher on this phone call. I'm going to guess not many of you. I mean, so, but how many of you are familiar <laughs> with the kosher supervision of products in this country? I'm it's somewhat familiar. Strong, right? I'm sure Sorry. I'm not as familiar as you, Steve. I mean, there's, hundreds of thousands of products that have a little U with an O around it, a U in a circle, that's kosher supervision. There's at least 44 bodies that certify kosher supervision and they compete with each other and people decide who they trust. You don't have, thank God, you don't have the government doing it. There's actually been a lot of lawsuits to get the government involved, unfortunately. They usually get tossed out on First Amendment grounds. But the point is, if you want to know if anybody's doing what they say they're doing, there will be a private company out there very happy to make money doing that. And they're going to watch you a lot better than the federal government because they got money at stake. The federal government doesn't. But you have Not to only would they have money at stake. Sorry? Sorry, April. Sorry. No, I was just going to say you have to pay for professional licensing on the local level. So also, um, so for example when it's time for my store to renew, which we have to do annually, 
Um, some stores I have to pay 400 bucks and that's my occupational tax license. Some stores I have to pay a percentage of what the sales were last year. So that's several thousand dollars, but there's all the professional licenses also have to do that through their local city or county or whatever. Um, they have to get those there as well. But isn't but a professional I, I license anything? That's a fancy word for I'm paying you for permission to earn a living. Yeah, that's exactly that's what it is. is. And I want to get in town and now I have to pay you to let me do it. I used to ask a long time ago when we started out on this show, how did this happen? Because I watch Gunsmoke and I know Gunsmoke is an absolutely 100% realistic portrayal of the Wild West and nobody asked permission to open up a saloon or to do any other kind of business. So who was the first guy to say, I have a really cool idea. If you want Doc, whatever his name was, or Gunsmoke to pull a tooth, he's going to have to pay to get a license every year. How did that happen? And why did we give in? Well, we gave in because for our safety. I think it's Always for your to... own safety. And they're not checking anything. They don't, I mean, I fill out a piece of paper and it says how many employees I have, what's my main business going to be. I send it in with a check and I get back this nice pretty piece of paper that I have to it's just a sh- It's a, just a shakedown. It's all just it is. It's a shakedown for the town to get money. I mean, a couple of years ago, I was a campaign manager and I got some space for our campaign. I had to go to the town, justify the, the reason for why we were using the space. All right. It's a private shopping center. I had to give them a diagram of where desks and chairs were going to be and all this nonsense. And then you got to cut, you got, then you got to cut a check for their law, the town lawyer and this and that. It's just, it's just a way to get money. You're asking, where did this start? I think it goes back to the turn of the century, you know, the progressive era and and in particular uh, Upton Sinclair's the jungle. And I hate to tell you this, but turn of the century is not 2001. That's not the one you're referring to. No, I was referring to 1900. And yeah, that's not true anymore. The Jungle was published sometime in the first decade of the 1900s, I believe. And it, it detailed all sorts of bad, uh, bad practices, bad business practices that the progressives used to justify the kind of regulation that you're talking about now. Right. And again, because they sold it to us, as, I guess, as safety or we're being ripped off and only the government can fix it. Mm-hmm. Right. I know we are a little yeah. bit doomed. I mean, there are so many licensing bodies in certain states. It, I don't think very few people have any idea even the count of how many licensing bodies there are and how many hoops they jump through to maintain their license. I know even in COVID, I know that there's things going on in Florida with certain regulations like, um, well, in New York, it's with selling beer, um, selling liquor. Are bars allowed to sell liquor to people who aren't going into the bar now after COVID because they had like special permission during COVID to do that? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like takeout where they could just order it? That's the one I'm looking for. I don't buy beer, so I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And now with COVID ending, supposedly what's gonna happen to those laws. And I know that there are so many hoops and it doesn't matter what business you're in, whether it's alcohol or baseball, or like Mike says, you want to open up a campaign office, they will have a thousand reasons to say you can't use well, this place for the purpose you want to use. Again, here, here's the greatest example of where freedom and free markets work versus licensing. When you look at the ride share companies and the and how people love it. Yeah. Okay. And we've had taxi, taxi cabs and limousines licensed for for ages, right? But do those services actually provide quality service? 
Do they come when you need them or do you have to wait an hour for them? People want the ride share because they provide service that we, we want and need and expect. All right. And of course, what happened with the taxi cab industry? They were all up in arms. And I get it because a lot of these companies paid, paid millions of dollars. Drivers paid millions of dollars for a license and they were totally undercut. Mm -hmm. you know? And as always, competition came right away to yeah. help the consumer. And there's never going to be just one, which is nice. Well, not to change the subject, but since you brought this up, uh, has, did anybody hear um, one of the arguments by the Chinese government for their right to steal intellectual property was because competition is important? So in that, as we talk about the value of competition and markets, what is the argument to protect intellectual property uh, versus value in markets for competition for protecting consumers? Anyone? And I'm going to try and let you answer that Ready? before I interrupt. <laughs> What's the, you want to know what the basis is for protecting intellectual property? Yeah, so what, so if the argument, if the argument, and I completely agree, for competition in markets is that it does control the cost, it's better for consumers if there's competition in the market. And the Chinese government comes in and says, that's why we steal your intellectual property. You shouldn't have intellectual property because competition in markets is better for consumers. Well, competition is not the fundamental. It's certainly not more fundamental than the concept of property. What yeah. is property? something that you mix your, your labor with either the land or something else, it's the, the fruits of your own creation. And intellectual property is just the creation of, of, your, of the products of your mind. And you know, the fact that you put it on paper and you know, write a computer code or you write, you know, you write a slogan whether for a trademark or you know, a patent for a process, uh, you know, it's still the, the, the product of your own thought and your own work and that's property and it should be protected. You know, competition is not the fundamental. Private property is the is the fundamental. And you know, they're stealing private property. Trying, you know, I mean it's sort of like I mean that's almost it, it reminds me of the argument of um, you know, fencing, you know, selling stolen property. You know, I mean, should you be able to buy, you know, stolen property? You know, well, it's a voluntary transaction. But if you know that it's a sto it's stolen goods, then you shouldn't be allowed to do it. Um, you know, there are lots of things that are, you know, voluntary that we don't allow to happen, right? I mean, you know, whether it's uh, stolen property or property of slave labor or, you know, there's a lot of things that, that we, you know, economic efficiency is, is only one important goal. Um, individual freedom and liberty and, and private, private property, private ownership is, in my opinion, a much more fundamental issue and something more important for our government to be protected. Okay, I like that answer. Well, I'm going to answer it from a man of the cloth. Thou shalt not steal. And it applies there you go. Thing. And that, that's where you draw the line. But Lyft, I don't think, had to steal from Uber, open up, et cetera, no. et cetera. And it's the government that I understand is going to destroy all of those services that they haven't already. By making them into little, little by little, yes, yeah. they're going to regulate it to death. Regulate it to death, and then something else hopefully will pop up, and then they'll regulate that to death, because they cannot resist destroying anything that works 
capitalistically because it's a challenge to their uh, to their narrative. Okay, I'm going to give everybody final comments. Make them count. Well, I'd like to just give a quick shout out to my former organization who won a big Supreme Court case this past week. Um, basically, what happened there, I think we've discussed this a little bit before, but AFP, uh, in particular in California, which started with Kamala Harris trying to force AFP Foundation to disclose its donors. And obviously, there's only one reason they wanted that, and that was to begin to like dox and out and intimidate anybody who wanted to donate to Americans for Prosperity Foundation and believed in their mission. That case, after about eight years, ended up in this, the hands of the Supreme Court. Uh, and this past week, they voted in favor of AFP Foundation. Um, again, this case pretty much um, is a follow-up to the NCAA versus Alabama case from decades ago. And the good news is the court- 1957, Mike, NAACP XREL Patterson. Yep versus uh, Alabama. Thank you for that. Uh, and so uh, it was gratifying to see the court rule the correct way on this. AFP did win. It's a big win for free speech. Um, that being said, it is still troubling that three justices voted the wrong way on this particular issue, even with the precedent of NAACP, even with the NAACP siding with Americans for uh, for Prosperity Foundation in this case. And I think one of the other issues that's still simmering out there is, is the desire of the left, the Democrats, to pack the court. And this case gives them one more piece of ammunition in that regard. But it, more to the point, it tells you what they would do if they were in charge of the court. If they had a majority of left-wingers on the court, our free speech rights would be obliterated. Yeah, I'm getting back to Ed's one-way justice system. It's amazing that whenever the court rules for the Democrats, you get Schumer out there in front of a camera telling us that the Supreme Court is tantamount to the gospel and the Ten Commandments combined, and you're not allowed to argue, attack, discuss, debate. That is the final ruling. And then when they get a ruling they don't like, let's pack the court. So. Well, I, I think, first of all, that case is on almost... It's an almost exact parallel of the NAACP case from 1957. And in 1957, the, uh, the uh, government, the local police department and the government of Alabama were insisting that the NAACP provide its donor list as a, as a requirement, as a, as a precondition, as a licensing requirement before they could solicit funds and operate in the, in the state. And the NAACP made the exact same argument that the, whole, the only purpose for the requirement was to uh, intimidate anyone who would support the NAACP and its civil rights efforts. And that case was cited repeatedly in, in the uh, AFP case last week. And, and they talked about the reasoning in that case and that three justices did not follow that precedent and didn't say, well, we're just going to ignore precedent. I mean, to, to rationalize not voting for it was was stunning to me. Um, but I, let me, in the same respect that it's stunning, let me just disagree with you a little bit about uh, the whole packing the court thing. I mean, the fact that these three justices could vote that way and not bat an eyelash, it, we do have a one-way justice system. And, 
and it's we we need to 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 challenge this notion that the Supreme Court has the final say on things. And maybe it will be not maybe I think it will be beneficial in the long run if the Democrats did pack the court and completely delegitimized it and got people to say we're just not going to follow those rulings because the court can rule but it can't enforce its rulings and if they're going to give illegitimate rulings we should be willing to say no we're not going to follow them well it'll give uh, nancy pelosi's capitol police uh, some things to do yeah out in the, uh, out in the states we just brought well, it full you know circle what? It's maybe we need to give them a little more thing, you know, things like that to do so they stop doing some other things. But I just this whole notion that, you know, that that the courts are the are the end all be all and that we have to just abide by whatever they say, like they're the little dictators that can tell us anything and everything about our lives. I think that that's something that that needs to change. And and again, we have a one way justice system where. You know, if they rule in our in our favor, well, it's just going to be challenged down the road. But, you know, if they rule against us, well, the court has spoken. And, you know, like what they, you know, I, like take the abortion situation. You know, they, 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 they want to make that, you know, unchallengeable precedent just because it's been the law of the land for 50 years now. Now, I'm not saying that I oppose abortion rights, but I certainly oppose the Supreme Court uh making them, uh, you know, constitutional law by fiat. I mean, it's a state, it's a state issue. It should vary from state to state. And, and we shouldn't be letting the Supreme Court tell us this is how you have to live your lives, whether it's abortion or gay marriage or, or any of these other hot button issues. They're only hot button issues because the Supreme Court short circuits any kind of political discussion or political debate by issue, by issuing a decree and saying nobody can challenge it. But there has to be an end somewhere. There has to be an end point. There's got to be a okay, this has been argued, argued, argued. We can't keep arguing it. Like there has to be a stopping. Well, the end point, April, to me in my opinion, is you're in Georgia and Georgia should be able to have its rules. And I'm in North Carolina and North Carolina should be able to have its rules and Gody is in Michigan and Michigan can have its rules and Mike is in New Jersey. I mean that's the end point. I mean, each, each, each state governs itself. Ed, can I ask you a question? I got to interrupt you ask you a question. How yeah. wonderful did that feel to say, I live in North Carolina? <laughs> Western North Carolina at that. I, I, I wouldn't be too thrilled living in the big cities like Charlotte or Raleigh, but living out in the boonies is, is pretty nice. Take time to say how wonderful that is. Yes, it's definitely. Yeah, wonderful. and thanks for re- reminding me where I live. I appreciate that. <laughs> where do you live? Pennsylvania. <laughs> the People's oh, Republic New of New Jersey. Oh, yeah. New Jersey's New Jersey. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> okay, April, you're a guest. Would you like to say anything? Uh, I'm sorry that I was running late. And <laughs> so I, I don't really have a lot to say because I missed probably 80% of the but I always enjoy uh, hopping on and seeing everybody say hi. Yeah, so I'm trying um, to rally for her to be a regular guest more frequently, even when we're not together. She be a guest. We'll, we'll treat her as badly as we treat everybody. She can handle I can, it. I can take it. She can handle I it. I can take it. I may not contribute meaningfully, but I do like listening <laughs> in and, and hate everybody. 
You're, you're um, always welcome. What's the current sign up fee? It's a thousand dollars a show, right? Hmm. Can I pay that for me? No, okay. that's what we get. Thousand dollars. That's what I meant, of course. What do you think? Yeah, I sign up fee. I felt like that was like if I want to come on, I have to pay that. No, no. Jody, what's on your mind? I love saying hey. Jody, last word. <laughs> no, my last word was trying to get my niece to come on more frequently, but you know, so we're we're just post fourth of July and I had a conversation with Steve several weeks ago where we're talking about, you know, dire situation with our nation. And I think at the time I was I wasn't feeling as remorseful. I was feeling sort of focused on what's next and what's after the United States of America. But, you know, I've come back to it's really sad. We really just sad where we are going. And you know, watching going through the fourth of July with everything that it means and everything that it stands for. I'm back to sad and I guess from there I need to go back to mad and fight for it, right? So and it's okay to go back and forth. But again, I keep saying, I wish we didn't have to fight, but we really don't have a choice. Because they never, they're like, you know, Democrats are like computer viruses, hashtag, and they don't stop. They're always attacking. So we always have yeah. to be defended. So, you know, one of the reasons we started the show is so that people could chime in. And that's what we really would like is to get other people's opinions and experiences. So, because as much as we know everything, we don't know everything. So, we would love to have people. And, you know, bring your friends on and tell us how to get people to at least chime in and tell us when we're wrong or just a place where they want to express their opinion in a relatively respectful way. I like how you're doing relatively. Well, come on. I'm just saying, we, we draw the line around Mark Levin, shut up, you big dummy. So... <laughs> All righty, with that, thank you so much, everybody, for being here today. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel. And uh, April, you're welcome. Jody, hopefully, will bring back your record of consecutive weeks again, which was awesome. And please, if you have any feedback, send us email at ejsshow at protonmail.com. And we will see you next week. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thanks, Bye, everybody. everybody. All right, guys. Great to have you back, Jody. Thank you.